I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will carry it to completion by the day of Christ. So it's been um, almost one year since I came to St. Peter's on October 1st, and it's gotten me into a reflective mood. At this time last year, I was getting ready to leave my former church, All Angels, with a group of the 20 folks who came with me. Um, Leisha, Rodney, and the kids were saying goodbye to their family at Church of the Heavenly Rest. Last night, I pulled out my journal to reread what I wrote back then, and it is full of nervousness, fear, are we crazy for doing this, and then coming back again to that place of trust in how God led us to this place. In the past few weeks, um, you've likely heard me marveling um, that I have now been priest in charge of St. Peter's during this pandemic online, which has been the past six months, for longer than we were together in person, which was five months. I'm a pretty um, buoyant person in general, um, but also wanted to be honest in saying that it has not been easy either. Um, Every week, I am hearing about churches not knowing if they're going to be able to keep their doors open, having to let go of beloved staff. Um, Recently, two of my colleagues who pastor churches here in the city um, resigned under painful circumstances, and it's heartbreaking. And as we approach um, this one-year mark, I do not want us to take for granted that we are still here because that was not and is not a given. And like this prayer of Paul, I thank my God every time I remember you, that God has brought this particular group of people together into the fellowship of Christ at St. Peter's for such a time as this. And more of you have joined us um, since then. This is God's work. He started a good work in this church 180 plus years ago, and he will be faithful to complete this good work by the day of Christ, long after we're all gone. And we only need to be faithful with this particular leg of the journey. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. And I love um, the message version of this passage where Eugene Peterson paraphrases this and he says, so this is my prayer, that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary, a life Jesus would be proud of, bountiful in fruits of, from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. I think this prayer speaks to what year two 
holds for us and what that means for us to be faithful with this leg of our journey. In Matthew 22, Jesus laid out the most basic teaching of the Christian faith and what it means to be a Christian when he was asked, which commandment of the law is greatest? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The other week in um, our Friday email, I shared that our theme for this year is becoming the beloved community, which I drew from the Episcopal Church's vision for racial healing, justice, and reconciliation. And they write that this is about being the body within which all people can grow to love God and love the image of God that we find in our neighbors, ourselves, and in creation. And this work of racial justice and reconciliation, while it's not the totality of the Christian life, it is a vital behavior for discipleship that then overflows to every area of our lives because it demands a kind of love where we have to learn how to not only love much, but to love well the way that Jesus did. And the Episcopal Church um, uses this image of a labyrinth, which I'm going to ask uh, Brenna to to screen share here. Um, and while she's doing that, this labyrinth, and it's divided into four quadrants to illustrate um, that this is not a linear journey. And becoming the beloved community means telling the truth, proclaiming the dream, practicing the way of love, and repairing the breach. All right, we can, Brenna, you can take it off. <laughs> That's an image that I want you to just kind of keep in your mind as I continue. So um, as Leisha and Iana and I have been preparing um, and planning for our care group that's going to be starting in a couple of weeks, we talked a lot about what does it mean to tell the truth. The importance about telling the truth of our own lives, our families, our church, our country is the first step of healing in the love of God. And many of us have never done that before. We never really reflected on it or allow ourselves to really sit with, the tr with that truth. But there are two sides to that coin of telling the truth. And so Alicia renamed this for us, um, telling the truth and listening with love. Because you can't have one without the other. Like, there are a lot of people who love to tell the truth, you know, just like consider themselves straight shooters, but they do not know how to listen with love. And when you don't listen with love, when you're telling the truth and make space for both, we cannot be the beloved community. And so we have to practice this. We've got to practice it. And we do it in light of listening to God so that in this journey of becoming a beloved community, we want to listen to that story of God as it's revealed in the life of Jesus. And so this, um, this four part, these four quadrants of becoming the beloved community, we're going to use the church calendar to follow the arc of that story about Jesus. And the second part of that is proclaiming the dream. So we have to remember that this is God's dream, that the kingdom of God has come in God's beloved son, Jesus. And the beloved community is only possible because of his beloved son who reconciles us to God and to each other. And through that reconciliation, God is making all things new. 
So you might remember that story in Luke 4 where Jesus stands up in the synagogue and rolls the scroll open to Isaiah and he reads, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. I mean, this is uh, what our presiding bishop calls the loving, liberating, life-giving news of Jesus Christ that we are called to proclaim in word and deed. This is what he calls us to do when we follow him. Like I always think of that scene in um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis, where if you if you ever read that book, it's the white witch um, has taken over Narnia, and there's this eternal winter that has kept everything frozen and cold. And when Aslan returns from after being killed by the white witch and comes back to life again, he starts to walk through his country of Narnia. And with every step of every every step of his paw on the on the snow, it begins to melt and flowers start to appear and the birds start to sing and this warm wind starts to blow through that place. And that's the dream loving, liberating, and life-giving. And if it's not those three things, it's not the good news of Jesus. It's not the dream. So we're going to look at that from Advent all the way through to Epiphany. Now the third quadrant is practicing the way of love. And this is going to be in Lent, where we're going to look at how do we order our lives so that we can cultivate love. What are those practices that root and establish and form us in love? Now remember, love is not sentimental gush. It is not just words. We've got to put feet to it. And that starts with attending to the soil within which love can grow in our hearts as well as in our communal life together. I just watched this really great documentary called The Biggest Little Farm. If you haven't watched it, check it out. It's on Amazon Prime. And it's about this couple who had a dream of, of, of having a farm that had like all this beautiful diversity of animals and plants and fruit and vegetables. Um, but the land that they bought was just totally barren and dead. And the soil hadn't grown anything in years. So they had to attend to the soil and they had to bring it back to life. And that meant pulling out rocks and weeds and dead plants. They needed to feed the soil with nutrients. And just by the way, pro tip, it's warm poop. That is the key to having good, healthy soil. And over the course of these seven years, they saw that land come back to life. But it took very specific practices in creating the conditions so that love could grow. So live a lover's life, the message says, bountiful in fruits from the soil, making Jesus Christ attractive, beautiful to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. So then this last piece of the quadrant is repairing the breach. This is um, from Isaiah 58, when it says, The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a well-watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. 
And this is where we look around at where has God placed us? What are the communities and the institutions that we're a part of? How are they broken? How have we contributed to that brokenness? And how can we help repair and restore them so that they can flourish? As I was thinking about our congregation, it struck me how we have people who work in so many different areas in education and the New York City public schools, the arts and mental health, technology and the media, finance, law, nonprofits. You know, for a small congregation, we really cover the gamut. And what would it look like for us to take up this call to repair the breach starting right where we are? as we move into Easter and Pentecost season, that that is a question we'll really be pressing into. And remember that picture of the labyrinth, this is not a linear journey. It's not like step one, step two, step three, step four, but rather we reflect and then we act, and then we reflect again, and then we act again, which is why that image is so helpful. And on this road, as the Episcopal Church says, we travel around corners, make sharp turns, pass fellow travels, travelers double back again into quadrants we've visited before, each time discovering a fresh revelation or challenge. On Friday, um, we lost um, another giant of our times, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And, um, you know, I found myself on Saturday just feeling surprisingly emotional about her death. And it was mainly because I was thinking about her life. You know, this diminutive woman, you know, remarkable in so many ways, um, and yet also not in other ways, in that I don't think she would have thought herself as being remarkable, but rather she was just being faithful in who she was, um, her unique self, the gifts that she had received in, in places that she was called to serve in, just like John Lewis and C.T. Vivian and Chadwick Boseman. I think of Melissa's father. I think of Brian's mother. Just a life well-lived because it was lived with love and for the sake of others. And that's the journey we have before us as a church community in becoming the beloved community, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. If what we're doing here isn't helping us do that, we might as well just pack up and go home. And to love our neighbors as ourselves, to tell the truth and listen with love, to proclaim the dream of God's kingdom that's come in his beloved son, Jesus, to practice the way of love and become more like him, and to repair the breach so that all, every person, every man, woman, and child can flourish in our world. May it be so, and may it start with us. So let us pray. Oh God, you made us in your image and redeemed us through Jesus, your son. Look with compassion on the whole human family. Take away the arrogance and hatred which infect our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us. Unite us in bonds of love and work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purposes on earth. That in your good time, all nations and races may serve you in harmony around your heavenly throne. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.